Our gospel lesson comes from the 10th chapter of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to St. John. I invite you to stand as you are able for the reading, hearing, and blessing of God's holy word. The gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Listen for the word of the Lord. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his sheep by name, leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them once more, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because he's a hired hand and does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Tending sheep is not for slackers. My um, congregation I previously served found this firsthand. There was a family in, in their church who tended sheep on their farm. And so as an object lesson about this text or one similar to it, instead of bringing a shepherd's crook, they brought a real live sheep into the service. It was kind of their children's moment and everything was going swimmingly well until that sheep escaped and bolted around and out the doors and around the courthouse square followed and chased by as many members as could run that fast, and they chalked it up. Sheep one, church zero. When I arrived there, that sheep had some offspring, and we were doing an annual blessing of the pets and of the animals around the Feast of St. Francis in October. And I took one of those sheep, and I was going to bless that sheep, and it baptized me <laughs> instead. Man. And then at the uh, Southeastern Livestock Rodeo on Friday night, that's one of my favorite events of all time. You have the extreme bullfighting, which is, you know, insanely nerve-wracking. Well, it's just really kind of insane in general. And you have the calf roping and the heading and the healing and, and the barrel racing and all of that is just magnificent. But the best thing, mutton busting. Do you know what mutton busting is? Oh, that's the little kid sheep racing. Have you ever seen that? It's the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life. Four to seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, they hop on the back of a sheep and they ride that perfectly good sheep as long as they can 
Now, most of the sheep, especially the early ones, they come out of the gate, they come bolting out of there, and they'll go straight, and they're starting to look around, and then, you know, the kid's going to fall off after just a few seconds, and the sheep makes its way over here to the side. Then the next sheep comes out and starts looking around and sees that sheep and makes kind of a, a veer to the right. And then the next one and the next one, they start grouping up. These kids didn't stand a chance. They came out of the gate, their sheep did. And they would look over there and they'd make a right-hand turn and those kids couldn't hang on. They couldn't do it. Except one girl. She had on the best pink helmet and the best pink shirt. And she had her arms and legs around the neck of that sheep the sheep was choking to death, but she stayed on it the most seconds. It was like 2.3, and she won her first belt buckle, and it was the best thing you've ever seen in your life. And after all of that, I started looking at those sheep, because they were still huddled up over there on the side of the arena, and they were restless. Some of them were kind of jumping up on others, and some were trying to move this way or, or that way. They didn't exactly know where to go. There was too much noise. The crowd was going wild. There were lights and just too many moving parts. And so they started to go this way and some went this way and that way and they just they couldn't get it all together until the cowboy came over. It was a voice that they recognized. And that voice calmed the sheep down. And then sheep do something that schools of fish do and the blackbirds in the deep winter do. They, they start moving together in this very fluid movement unified toward a common direction. It all happened when the cowboy came over and they heard, heard his voice. I think we often think that the rodeo can't be so gospel, but it is. I think we also think of shepherds as maybe simple, unassuming, kind of a meager job, maybe just a paycheck for them. But Jesus, you know, he talks about the difference between a shepherd and a hired hand. Did you hear that in the text? A hired hand doesn't care whether the sheep live or die. The first sign of tension, the first sign of pressure, of, of chaos, of disagreement, of, of unsettledness. And man, those hired hands are gone, but not the shepherd. That's when the shepherd steps up and steps in and begins leading and speaking. Shepherds are anything but simple. They're sort of like weather experts and cartographers and the original GPS units, and they're kind of a veterinarian, cowboy, security detail, search and rescue, all bundled into one. These guys can do it all. Right? Shepherd is sometimes viewed as lackadaisical, that all they do is care for little, you know, cuddly lambs, like they're part of a Charmin commercial or something. It's just not how it works. They have to fight off predators, thieves, they have to protect from the harshest conditions. They have to inspect every sheep daily for insects and parasites. And when it says in Psalm 23, you anoint my head with oil, that means you're anointing me, you're sealing me with this ointment so that the smallest, the smallest thing can't get into my mind and, and, and begin infecting my mind and making me go crazy and the rest of the flock. <laughs> so with that in mind... Jesus takes that object lesson and says, I am the good shepherd. And what he means is, I am the model shepherd. Here's how I will live my life for you. And here's how you should live your life for others. 
a, a strange image still. I mean, even with the, the shepherd's crook here, by the way, one end is, is for search and rescue. The other end is it's to move the herd along or to deal with predators, right? The shepherd was both of those. Sometimes I wish Jesus had offered a more relatable image, like I am the good friend or the good coach or the good personal trainer, the, the good investor, the good accountant. We can deal, we can relate to all of that, but a shepherd, several thousand years removed from its Genesis moment and 2,000 years removed from this I am statement, we, it might lose some of its punch, is what I'm saying. I am the good shepherd. What does that mean? We're going to press pause on that for a moment because relating to a shepherd is foreign to us, but sheep, sheep we get, don't we? Isaiah said it. Mr. Handel set it to music. Alabama Dance Theater performs it every year. All we like sheep have gone astray and need help and are not perfect and need green pastures and still waters. So we can relate to sheep, even if we've only seen them at a zoo or National Geographic or fenced in somewhere locally. They're usually kind of filthy and they don't do a whole lot except eat, sleep, and exist. They're docile and easily wooed. They also can be rebellious and quite curious, and they stray from one another every now and then. They butt heads with one another every now and then. They need constant care and persistent reminders to keep moving so as not to get complacent or stagnant or to overfeed. And that makes them far more relatable to you and me, I think. On a deeper level, the human sheep-like tendency is to say, Lord, I'm prone to wonder, Lord, prone to leave the God and the flock I love. And we'd like to say we're not like other sheep. We should therefore distance ourselves from those creatures. But the reality is we all crave to belong to a flock greater than ourselves. And that makes sheep more relatable to you and me. The truth about ourselves as sheep within a flock is that we come in all shapes and sizes and various needs and from backgrounds and different places. And sometimes we want to walk away from the flock and sometimes we feel like the flock has walked away from us. And other times we, we are just so paralyzed that we cannot move without the safety of the flock around us because it's the flock that matters. These are our fellow grazers after all. Somebody told me after the first service, these are my sheeple. I don't know if that, you get that or not. Pretty lame, okay. We are sheep who need to be carried from a wound or an illness. Sometimes we need to be force-fed because the grief is so overwhelming we forget to eat. We feel underwhelming because sometimes all we have to offer is our presence and our presence needs to be good enough for those who are around us. As sheep, we feel so small, and, and we can give our hearts to whatever shepherd happens to come our way to meet our needs. We are fragile and allow ourselves to be cared for by shepherds who we think are strong. But then the mere thought of having to take care of someone else's needs to shepherd someone else, it it petrifies us. There's also assertive sheep with big personalities, but those sheep 
clothes or there's really a longing underneath for someone to care for us. Even when we feel the responsibility for caring for so many others, even big sheep want to belong and to be loved. Even big sheep they don't have all the resources required to provide for the entire flock. Only the shepherd can do that. As sheep, we need, we need help hearing, assistance with hearing, because our lives are filled with so much chatter and gossip and noise that the voice of the good shepherd is drowned day after day after day, and it's drowned out by voices of self-doubt and critique. And we hear the voices of shame and guilt whispering in our ears or misplaced priority or, or cynicism or control. or power. They all whisper in our ears. Those voices do. And when that happens, we can't hear the voice of the good shepherd. We listen to a lot of voices telling us to be fed by, to be led by, and to belong to the wrong things. All we like sheep wander from the flock. And sometimes we feel the flock has wandered from us. We look up and feel alone or disconnected, scared. Where do I go now? In our Lenten study, Fuquay has this wonderful reflection of a herdsman from Africa who spent time with this text and topic studying sheep in, in South Africa, I think it was. And he offered that there's four main reasons that sheep get unsettled, like the rodeo illustration that I was sharing with you on, from last Friday night. And it takes a lot of time to calm down the flock when they become unsettled or restless. And the four main reasons they become unsettled is, one, fear from the outside. Two, friction from the inside. Three, parasites and pests something so small, and four, hunger. Fear, friction, parasites and pests, and hunger. Life has a way of affecting the flock in those four ways. Fear of what might or might not be, it does that. Fear of friction among our brothers and sisters, makes us restless. Finding freedom from the parasitic pests that creep into the minds of our flock mates by saying, you're not good enough or worthy enough. We tell ourselves that, and then those parasites can begin to spread. Same with negativity and anger. The flock gets unsettled. And we all hunger and thirst for things that will neither satisfy nor fulfill. We need help. So whatever affects you affects the sheep around you, too. I think Lent, this journey through the wilderness, it reminds us to lean into the arms of the Good Shepherd and to get rid of some noise, to listen for His voice. Because He's come to calm fears and to reduce friction and to heal our wounds to lead us and to feed us. And I hope you'll hear the voice of the Good Shepherd today trying to settle the flock. 
by saying peace. Peace, little ones. Settle your soul. I hope you hear the Good Shepherd saying this morning, I'm right here with you. I've always been here with you. We are all these characteristics of, of sheep. This is us. It's what it means to be part of a flock we call the congregation. We're bold and we're assertive and we're trite and we are fearful and heroic and ashamed. All of us. But hear the good news today, friends. Despite what type of sheep you are today, there is nothing about who you are that will change the reality that you belong to the Good Shepherd. And there are no lesser shepherds nor wolves that will ever be able to change that you belong to Christ. Here's some double negatives for you. You cannot be so lost that the Good Shepherd will not come look for you. You cannot be so fragile that the Good Shepherd won't carry you. You cannot be so deafened by noise for the Good Shepherd's voice to be heard. You cannot be so assertive and bold and, and proud that the Good Shepherd won't convict you either. And we can't be so broken that the Good Shepherd won't make us feel loved. It just keeps coming and leading and guiding us and will not surrender using His voice to call us and to care for us and to protect us from, from ourselves. And He will never rest in His desire to hold us in His arms when we walk through life's valleys of the shadows. It's interesting to me that the word pastor it sounds like another word that you know related to this text. Pastor, pastor, pasture, pasture. You hear that? It's because the word pastor as an office, it comes from pasture. It's my role to lead, to guide and direct. I'm not the good shepherd. I'm just one shepherd assigned to this flock. Christ is the good shepherd. So I don't have all the answers, and I may not be the best shepherd that you are likely to have in your life, but I can tell you right now in this moment, in this space, that I can lead us to a table that helps us make sense of life when life doesn't make sense. I can help lead us to a table prepared for us in the presence of our friends and of our enemies, and I can tell you how it will restore your soul. And that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I can tell you these things for certain, even when all of us come from places of uncertainty. And I can tell you how this table challenges us to have shepherds in our lives, but to shepherd too. Like, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, oh yeah, you know I love you, Lord. I'll just check all the boxes and... And do all the things. And he said, no, no, I don't care about all that. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my what? Sheep. Part of our role when we're fed is to help feed others. To care for others. To nudge others. To bring others back into the flock. 
So we can all hear Jesus say, I'm the good shepherd. Follow me. I can tell you that I have to give myself to that kind of reality every day or, or every day is going to be a wilderness moment. And I can't promise you that I fully understand all that happens at this meal, the great mystery of the faith. But I know that Jesus leads us here and welcomes us here and invites us here and then leads us, once fed, back out into the world in the way of the cross. There was a Sunday school teacher who decided to do an exercise that we do around here. We do it in both of our schools and in our Sunday school hour and Sprouts and various other children's programs, and that is we memorize Scripture. And one of the earliest Scriptures memorized by children and by youth is the 23rd Psalm. It was our call to worship this morning at our vacation. And so the class was working very hard, and, and they all were memorizing all six verses of Psalm 23, and man, but little Ricky was having a, he was having a time with it. But he wasn't about to miss his chance to step up and tell all the parents at that assembly exactly what he knew and had memorized. But he got nervous at the last minute, and he couldn't remember everything. So he threw his shoulders back, and he threw his head up, and they called on little Ricky. And he said, The Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I need to know. Do you believe that? 